Hello, friends. Before we get to the next episode of three, we want to throw out this disclaimer. What you're about to watch slash listen to was recorded during the U.S. Open and more importantly, before Novak Djokovic was defaulted out of the tournament. So we are going to talk about Novak and Federer and Nadal and their differing views on what the political structure of tennis should be. Um, but there will be no mention of the Djokovic incident because it had not happened at the time we recorded this. So wanted to put that out there, timestamp this, but everything is still very much relevant. So I hope you enjoy and here it is. Uh, let's get to the, the players association stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the, the best way to set the context here is to, to talk about how it was. Well, let, let's just address what the status quo was. Uh, Joel, you said, I think it, it was maybe episode seven, maybe episode six, that the Players' Council is the most mysterious organization in the world. But um, why did you say that? Elaborate on that. Well, because I, every time I go to Grand Slam tournaments, I know there are these ATP meetings, ATP meetings, and they're talking about things. You never quite hear what comes out of them other than mostly what you only hear is, yeah, the players want more money. I never hear anything that has to do with kind of the broader game overall, and what that means for fans, for sponsors, for media, any, what's that mean? Yes, okay, the players are having discussions, and you hear things about pensions occasionally, and you hear things about prize money, and compensation, and maybe player commitments, but it's all very, I call it very much inside the beltway, very internecine stuff. How would you describe their level of power? Because that's that's what the that's what Djokovic and and um, John Isner and Vashik Pospisil are are trying to improve their level of say, their voice, their power. They feel that they've been probably treated more like an advisory council than having true power. And I guess they're forming this new group because they want to have power in their own right. They want to have a bigger say in this revenue split with the majors, right? They want to have- I think, business. I. sorry to interrupt, Joel. No, go ahead, Amy. I, I think that they see, people like Pospisil and Djokovic see the problem that we all see, which is sort of this Gilded Age problem where the money is top-weighted. So you got the top 10 making millions upon millions and it feeds itself with endorsements and um, appearance fees and, and all that. and under like say the top 25 you get a real drop off and it's just it's something that isn't fair and i think that um we all see this problem i mean it's legit it is a problem and djokovic and pospisil are like serving on this player council isn't solving this problem in fact it may be getting worse um, the ATP, it's not in their interest to solve it or any of the other big powers because they want to star build and then feed off of these big stars. So I really admire Djokovic because he is one of the big stars and one of the rich people. Um, and and uh, I think the, they thought the only way to break out of this is to start our own play, player union and, and grab some of this legitimate power instead of just serving on this player council. Well, athletes in all other sports have this bargaining power and they have separate associations that can, for example, go on strike and, and use that 
as a leverage. Um, so I think what what Djokovic is organizing for tennis is is something that all sports have. Um, with that being said, Rafa Nadal and and Roger Federer both came out against it in in favor of the status quo, and they didn't specifically cite kind of any specific qualms other than to say that right now is a really difficult time in the sport where everyone is just trying to get by and it's not a good time to disrupt and it is a time for unity that's how that's how i interpreted federer and nadal's stance well what i'm wanting to see from novak i do admire that a top player is looking to kind of join forces with his other players who obviously don't have as much income or money as him but i wonder what they're really trying to organize. Yeah, they, they, there's talk about how they only get a certain percentage of the slam revenues and they would like more. And therefore, and, and by more, that probably means more pushed down through the ranks of the sport. What I always want to see whenever I hear um, lower ranked players agitating for a bigger piece of the pie, I say, all right, what, how are you going to earn that? What makes you think you deserve that just because it exists? What are you going to do to help the sport and to help promote the sport so that you're worth that because we know this we know this we know that a good 80 percent of the consumer engagement with the sport is around three players per three men and three women you know billy jean king told me years ago she said the top three men and the top three women can run the sport if they organize themselves properly not necessarily for their own good but for the good of everyone and they kind of do de facto anyway so you go to a tournament yeah they're, they're great players but when i see players anywhere anywhere ranked from 20 to 300 so, all right tell me tell me what you're going to do to make it worth fans wanting to see you play other than that you play tennis well whether you're 70 or 150 who are you do you wear your name on your shirt do you do clinics do you do proams are you more accessible to media and sponsors really what are you doing for that so i want to i'd like to hear in this association this union or whatever it is they want to form how they want to do that too other than just say we want more. I mean, I don't, and, and then to be doing, to announce this during the first major in the middle of a, of a pandemic when hundreds of thousands of people died, I'm a little struck by that. Yeah, and, and that was Roger and Rafa's point. But for us on this show, to me, it is really interesting how we've got three, okay? That's a triangle. And there's this term triangulation. And just to bring it to the real world for a second, we in the mom business say you never have a play date with three. You only do two or four or more. If you have three, two are going to gang up against the other. So it's, it's just human nature. And um, it's just really interesting to me, the dynamic, how Novak is, is in some ways so different than the other two. But let's acknowledge the pandemic brought this about. That's, that's what it seems. It seems. It doesn't seem like they've just decided out of the blue, okay, now is a good time. I think that there, there have been events. For example, two things stick out. One, they were extraordinarily ticked off at the way Guido Pela and Hugo Deline were, uh, I, and I, I might have botched the pronunciation, apologies for that. Uh, they were extremely ticked off about how the USTA handled the fact that their physio tested positive, and then they were had to stay in the hotel. Also, the U.S. Open is paying 95% of prize money, even though they are losing a massive chunk of their revenue. And on face value, it's, oh, how generous 
the USTA must be. And I think some of the players looked at that and said, wait, you're able to do that? How much money were you, were you not paying us that you could have been this, this whole time? But this started, this hospital <laughs> wrote about this well over a year ago. The pandemic didn't push this into being. This hospital was making his point. Remember, hospital wrote something well over a year ago talking about the need for some of this stuff. So okay, it's not like- you think it's a, So total coincidence that, that this is when it happened? Wait, you're saying the pandemic drove the desire to make the announcement. I thought you were saying the pandemic drove the desire to have this exist. It didn't hatch the, no, I'm not saying it hatched the idea. I'm saying it- Oh, the news hook, the reason for it, probably, but also we all know that the sport, uh, four times a year, there are these major opportunities to generate visibility around something in tennis, particularly still during Wimbledon and the US Open. I mean, New York is a major media center and the chance to draw attention to tennis. I mean, just because we think about tennis 400 days a year doesn't mean that um, other people do. And there's a, a great deal of the world thinks about tennis during Wimbledon and the US Open. So here's the chance the, the eyes of the world are watching. So is the, t the timing is, is what throws you off on this? No, I think, that I, well, both the timing and, and I'm, I'm curious to see what, what it's really right. going to be. What, what now, does that look like? That's a good point because they have not been, if you ask, and Novak was asked by Chris McKendry last night, um, basically, okay, what is your main point of focus? Is it, is it money? Is it scheduling? Like, what is it? And, and Novak just said, oh, it's everything. We need everything. Um, so, that, that's, that's almost ridiculous. Like everything. Well, they're, they're criticizing Novak and Vashik for being very vague. Um, but go look throughout history, the way that unions have been organized. Um, they don't always have a good handle on things. I mean, some of the greatest movements ever that have really changed the world, they're not overly organized. I mean, I not to overly defend Novak and Vashik, but I do think that this is overdue. Um, there are problems in tennis that are not going to be solved with the profit taking and the greed the way that it is now in the current structure. This has been talked about for 50 years, I think John McEnroe said. Um, it's John, yeah, but wait, they started the ATP in 1972 as an association. So it's not like it's just been talked about. I'm not gonna, you know, John McEnroe in his, John McEnroe, yeah. And, and you see the things that lead to this. I mean, what I wonder, I just would like to hear from Pospel and Djokovic, three things that, like, that they like to have better other than just say, who who wants more who deserves more money for what i mean clearly novak isn't agitating for more money for himself he's that's not what his point is and so yeah. who's, who's he advocating is he advocating on behalf of of players four through 100 is he advocating for players 100 to 300 does he want more money in challengers should the profits from these slams go to that i'd like to see some of these players hey wait a second you know maybe I, maybe i'll be happy if i win the tournament with two million instead of three million is he looking to do that? The, the interesting thing that I saw, the one word that I saw in something that Vashik put out, um, which nobody else will seize upon, but I went right to it, was the word amenities. Because let's say that you're a player, I don't know, 75, 100, something like that. You come to a tournament and you do not have the money to fly in a physio. Or you may not even have money to fly in your coach, or you don't hotel have the bills. money. The hotel, hotel bills, plane fare. You don't have the money to eat 
you know, the way that Novak eats. Then you come to the slam and Novak is making appearances and getting $100,000 a pop on sponsor appearances and stuff. And you're just barely scraping by. If they take this union and they normalize the amenities where every player has access to a physio, every player has access to good accommodations and food, Hotels then you're starting to okay. even the playing field the outside of the prize money. The hotel is covered. When you stay, when you're at a tournament, when you're at Indian Wells, your hotel is paid for. What about okay. your coach's hotel and your agent's hotel and your physio's hotel and all that? But if you can afford to have all these things, I mean, how much that we should look at how much did the number 75 player in the world make last year I, I mean how much he made he made well over six figures yeah joel what about challengers on the challenger circuit hotel covered well, no i'm just I, asking do you know sometimes private housing no i don't think the hotel is covered at challengers because so that's why they often get private housing some still okay. um well okay so how how big a posse should be covered by the tournament, Amy. The well, there are certain the basics, I think, that if you make a Grand Slam, um, that you deserve. Uh, you deserve access to good health care, physio, recovery, that kind of thing. Are um, they being denied that? Every player that makes a Grand Slam deserves that. Are they being denied that? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I know there's a big, there's a big inequity between what Novak is getting and what, I don't know. But, but I, I want to I really, really learn this. I mean, I, I, I'm, that amenities, that's a great, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that's the word I seized upon because that is the nuts and bolts of what these players deal with. I mean, somebody was telling me, I, I think it was Chorich or, or something like that a couple of slams ago. Chorich is on the phone with the travel agent trying to work out his plane fare home. I'm like, he's born a church. Shouldn't he, shouldn't somebody be doing that for him? Yes. That's what agents usually do. But he agent. apparently didn't have his agent with him because he couldn't afford it. No. Still. See, well, wait, how much money? I mean, we should have the information right by. I, I can, I can get it. What are we looking for? Born a church prize money, 2018 or 19. Okay. How much did he make? How much did he make? in prize money last year. I okay, mean, well, uh, career, okay, last year. Oh no, that, that's this year. How can I see? He's made $465,000 this year. Okay, yeah, but that's that no, hardly anyone's made anything this year. And that's pretty darn good. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Than, that's more, than I've made. Um, it's more uh, than I made as well. Yeah, well, you're a student. You're still in You're still yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I mean, I really want to hear, I'm glad you mentioned amenities. I want to hear them articulate what that means. They're not, I don't know what they're denied or what they expect. I mean. And think about this, Joel, especially for the younger players just coming on tour. I mean, having covered other sports like the NBA and, and uh, college basketball, these young people in their early 20s, they're not necessarily that great at managing their money. Um, there may be some agents that get in there and are not advising them the best. So 
you know, it's, it's dicey. And if you normalize across the board, okay, if you're in the main draw of the U.S. Open, here's what you get. You get some hotel vouchers. You get um, some reduced plane fare. You get access to a physio before and after every match, you know, and, and nutrition and all that. And equal access to amenities, that can take the edge off the prize money in equities even. But they're getting $60,000 if you lose in the first round of the U.S. Open. So um, you- That doesn't can, go very far. Well, but I think they, they do have access to physios. I mean, they don't just, it's, it's showing up to the, showing up to the a Grand Slam tournament is not us showing up to the, you know, a sexual regional league playoff. I mean, they have, they have physios who work on them. I, that, I love this amenities talk because I want to hear more about what they mean by that. They have, um, at some of these majors, they, they have unlimited food. Um, if they have an agent, the agents should manage that stuff, but your point about some agents might not be, maybe, maybe the union provides the counsel that says, is your agent doing what your agent should be doing? Are you just being? Yeah, or, or put agents through some sort of certification as the other not leagues that. do or licensing. Um, I mean, look, just case in point, Novak was allowed three people in his entourage, just as everyone was. And who does he pick? He picks Ivan Isevich, the physio, and the agent right? That's how important the agent is on these teams. Oh, yeah. Right. So, but if a player has an agent, that agent should be looking out for some of these things. But I guess I also, when I think of these young players coming on the tour, this, if this union exists, this, they, they should all, I think they have a complete revolution in how they interact with the public and people. I mean, here, I'm going to talk as a, as a journalist going to a tournament. If I go to a challenger tournament and I want to do a story on number 150, I got to go through almost as many hoops to get a few minutes with that person as I do with Roger Federer. And that player should understand that he's, his job is to get people to want to care about him. I mean, I've, he, should, he should create a, a, a social media presence. And I don't just mean fun little Instagram posts about going to parties. I mean, some serious information. These are great players. I mean, someone who's got to 150 in the world, 250 in the world, these are tremendous, but a great many of them, I find, they just uh, they just smile and dial and go to their go to their get, get their money and and expect to have more. And they're not. They should be doing more clinics. They should be doing more proams. They should be doing more autograph sessions. All those kind of things that can get people to know them. And I'd like to hear the unions say, "Yeah, that's going to be part of what we're going to do too." But I haven't, and so I'm a little. I'm still a little um, curious. You want to know what they're about. Other than just, yeah, we want more money. Right. Well, and my argument is simply that to know what they're about, you have to get the ball rolling. And they have to organize. And sure. they, they actually had to make the break. And that this will evolve. But if we just stood there and tried to plan the hell out of it for years and years and years, nothing's ever going to change. And well, just structurally, it looks like a better system. Yes. Which is that, that, that's where you got to start, right? Agenda, agenda aside, what is the structure? And in the case of tennis, it's a pretty nonsensical, too many cooks in the kitchen structure. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think so. You don't think I, so? I don't necessarily think so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on that. I just know tennis, I mean, like, yeah, tennis has been just, you know, 30 years ago, the ATP started, they created this structure because they thought the other structure, I mean, and if you really want to do some, boring political science look at the structure before the before 1990 That's okay so uh, i'm sure i'm sure it's better now but so the french open can unilaterally move 
their start date, and that doesn't show that this is a disjointed. It operation. definitely shows it's disjointed, but so is that. Does that have to do with the ATP not looking out for the interest of player one hundred and fifty? Uh, uh, Gil, I mean, you you just scored major points there. I mean, all <laughs> due respect to Rafa and Roger, the time now is now for unity. I mean, what are they smoking during this pandemic? Unity. The Roland Garros just freaking unilaterally moved and that's how it is in tennis you can do whatever you want if you have part of the power and the power is just splintered across television networks and the itf and the tours and the slams and it, so i agree about that i agree about that about the the anarchy but then the case could be made and so here let's bring another um organization into the mix but so when you look at things like the French Open taking that date and displacing some tournaments, when you look at things like prize money and amenities, I, I love this amenities thing is going to be really fun to learn more about. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but when you look at all that, and you, so what, what it's going to lead to is, will these guys be willing to take a stand and organize enough people to do something like a, like a classic union kind of boycott, similar to what the ATP did in 1973 when it boycotted Wimbledon and it said, you We'll play where we want to play. We'll decide that. I mean, that was the whole, that was a very union-like thing. And Cliff Drysdale was the head of the, the president of the ATP at the time. So, so will, will the Djokovic uh, hospital group say, okay, we're tired of, we don't like being treated this way. And here's how we're going to take our stand. We're going to, and often with unions, that takes, that's a strike. That's a strike. That's saying, here's our leverage. And let's see how they command that. And, and the fact that uh, the, the two of our other three don't quite see it that way, that's going to make for some very interesting dialogue. And maybe you know, one, one last angle we, we definitely need to hit on is uh, there's no there. Well, look, last night, Novak said it's a players association. The intention was never for it to be all men. And don't get me wrong. Words speak, but actions speak louder. And the association was started with only men, uh, which was, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, to, to a, a big detriment because it, it gave a lot of people a lot of ammo to immediately strike it down. And it's just not a good look in general. And I'm sure, um, Joel, this is a bit of history repeating itself, right, with the formation of the ATP. And Billie Jean, Billie well, Jean wanted women involved well, in the same the organization. Their thing and the ATP started and the ATP was looking at boycott. Well, yeah, the men thought the same. I'll tell you a funny thing about that recreation that's kind of interesting. So, uh, right, the, woman, the women's pro circuit starts in 1970. The ATP begins in 72. The WTA is formed in 73. And around that time was when the ATP also boycotted Wimbledon just for 73. And Billy said, we'll be with you. And the men said, no, you're, you do your thing, we'll do ours. So, so here's a funny thing I've seen recreationally. There are these... Um, senior tennis associations. There's one for men and there's one for women. And I've talked to people from each and I say, hey, why don't you guys, oh no. Yeah, we got our, it's like, it's like they're each, it's kind of funny, even, even recreationally, you know, because the, the, the age group women have their agenda and the age group men have their agenda. And even then at that level, at that level, it's kind of, you know, not collaboration. So I think Novak, you, you gotta think he was doing a little little strategic backpedaling when he said we always intended to have women. If he always intended to, then why didn't they? Well, I think 
the blame has to fall equally on both sides for not including women at the outset. But look, not all is lost. Um, the women need to get their you know what together. I mean, they the I read some comments from Kim Kleisters in the New York Times. It was like, you know, I think the WTA tour does a good job with communication. That's not what this is about. This is about money and it's not about communication. So they need to, the women need to get together, think big picture and find some leaders within the players that um, are willing to address the prospect of this and really get organized with it. Well, the other sports, are, what I like about the other sports, this is a different thing than tennis. They're team sports. How interesting that the NBA took some action with, uh, with political, social matters because the players, their very product is working together. And tennis, this is the thing, the splintered nature of tennis. It's splintered because the very DNA of tennis is based on singular stuff. The way players, all, all of us, everyone who plays tennis is a, is a team owner. So it's a different sense of collaboration. Collaboration is not quite the, the, primary, the primary asset. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you wanna, <clears throat> if you wanna see a sport where the athletes um, have less power than tennis, check MMA and, and how badly they're underpaid. Hmm. That's an even more splintered culture because not only is it an individual sport, but they, in some cases, hate each other's guts. And um, they have no union and it's, it's been kind of a problem. Hmm. Underpaid or just paid? I mean, they sign. I mean, I don't know if they're, are they? Why oh, are they it's, getting... pretty, it's pretty awful, Joel. If you look at the numbers, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's much of an argument that uh, they don't get the same kind of slice of the pie that all other athletes are subject to get? Well, it says subjects are entitled. Um, do you I want mean, to help I, me no, out? I just think about athletes, it's just always interesting about athletes. You know, they're not signing those contracts at gunpoint. And I'm not I, saying- I see what you're saying. I mean, but, so it's interesting that the MMA is, they can form their union. Let them form their union. Make, tell, tell Dana White, okay. Oh, Dana White's not going to like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, no owner likes it. The, the um, you know, Bowie Kuhn didn't like it the, the, when baseball, when it happened. I mean, actually, I think the one who came to like it, the, the NBA got it. I think David Stern figured it out. It's kind of fascinating. That's the NBA. The NBA is going to be worth its own case study of how a league navigated through social change. Mm -hmm. More than just about any sport, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. They, they seem to, to hit the nail on the head. Um, and especially with Silver, even a step up from, from Stern, he's probably the best commissioner in American sports. Tennis doesn't have a commissioner, of course, uh, because of uh, the structure. But uh, I, think, I think we got to some good places here. Anything else that we're dying to add? I want to check out those amenities. Amy, could you get the list for me? Because I want some amenities. Oh, yeah. I'll work on that, Joel. All right. We're looking to get amenities. This has been, um, this has been great. Make sure that you are following us on, um, on our own social media accounts. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Like the video. Feel free to leave a comment. We are also on all podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a rating and review on Apple, and we will see you next time on the next episode of 3.